Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz. Tyson is available for Monday the 16th of August 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz. Tyson, episode 343. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. 11.51 hours here. Strange day today. A strange weekend, really. I'll come to that shortly. But of course, Today is the first day of the cafe's 10-day closure for summer holidays, and it's like I'm facing the prospect of 10 consecutive Tuesdays. For the last two years, the one day of the week the cafe has been closing, the pandemic aside, is Tuesdays, and Tuesdays have been a problem for me for a while, and I'm stuck as to where I'm going to go later today. I've got a few ideas I'm not sure they're going to work, but it's, I guess, the next few days. Uh, I'm more than guessing. I've been thinking about this a lot. It's been dominating my thinking. I've got a, a few potential cafes lined up, and I'll, I'll I'll go into that a bit later. Yesterday, meanwhile, was the 20th anniversary of my first visit to the cafe, and I never went away. Once I found the place, I never went away, even though I did my best to pull away during the uh, smoking years before the uh, smoking ban came in in 2007. A difficult weekend because, hard swallow there, because I managed to knock myself out by running right into a tree on Friday night, Friday the 13th, of course, and I think that would make it into my top three Friday 13th. Now, in Spanish culture, it's uh, Tuesday the 13th. I know that the Italians, uh, because I was speaking to an Italian friend last week, I know for Italians the unlucky number is 17. I don't know what their Friday the 13th equivalent is. It might be Friday the 17th. I I don't know. I'll have to look into that. Or maybe you could look into that if you find this uh, sufficiently interesting. But uh, I would put Friday... Last Friday the 13th, I'd put it up there in my top three with Friday the 13th, January 84, when I strayed into, um, stupidly, I strayed into Henry Thornton territory in Clapham, Henry Thornton being probably the roughest school in the area, one of many, and I was wearing my school uniform and I ran into a bunch of older Henry Thornton kids and that didn't go well. Then there was Friday the 13th of April 1990, when falling around, I punched a mirror in the uh, gents in the Woolworths uh, staff room. Did that bring about a lot of bad luck? I'm not sure it did. It might have delayed the bad luck. Maybe it was put on hold uh, because I don't remember the first half of the 90s being particularly bad. But uh, I remember thinking, oh, I might be in for uh, a difficult period here, not realising perhaps that Woolworths was maybe my heyday, you know. But uh, Fridays, Friday the 13th, this latest edition, I think that will make it into the top three. Yeah, I reckon top three. Basically, I was sent flying backwards once I ran into this tree. I had no idea what had happened. It was the humiliation 
of the moment, knowing that the park was busy. I, I made sure that I didn't turn around to see anyone that might have seen it. I'm grateful that I didn't hear any laughing. I think anyone behind me might have been horrified by the knock, but uh, I got up right away and uh, basically I was just 30 or so metres away from completing a 10, 10.5k run and I made it to the end. It had been a slow run, so I hadn't I hadn't been firing on all cylinders. I was about seven, eight minutes slower than I normally am for that run. I think that might have been because I was readjusting to my old route, being open, the fairground had moved off so I could run around the trail around the perimeter of the park. Maybe that had played a part in me being a bit slow on Friday. Anyway, I ran right into the tree, head down, and yeah, I just, I just went flying backwards. But got up, ran towards the finishing tree that always signposts the end of my run. I hadn't realized I was cut. I've got a, uh, I think I've got a four-inch, I'd say it's minimum four-inch, gash above the left eyebrow running into the temple two cuts on the scalp i suspect that uh, the one on the forehead will scar might take a while for that scar to uh, disappear you know i don't mind a scar i, I think uh, any man without a scar particularly on their scalp traditionalist view but a man without a scar is that the man that's going to look after you i don't know i am very lucky that i never lost an eye i have to say and i think that for me, reflects a change in my thinking, perhaps brought about by the pandemic. I think before the pandemic, I might have been, oh, woe is me, look how unlucky I was. But I'm seeing the the bright side of this is I never lost an eye, and, and I could have easily lost an eye. I hadn't realized I was bleeding until I got home. I cleaned it up just with water and cotton pads, no TCP, no disinfectant. I tried to get some on Saturday afternoon, nearly five pounds. I thought, F that, that's almost a patron tier. And I'd run into the tree, basically, because I think this must be all the Modine videos I'm watching on YouTube. That's the second, basically, I've said. I'm hoping that that's the last one. Scout's honor. Going to do my best. The midges. I was wary of the midges. Now, I've got this insect repellent spray, which is very effective. But you spray your legs, you spray your arms, but you can't spray your face, of course, unless I'm missing something. So the midges are still a problem when I'm running. There's a particular part, this narrow corridor around the kids' playground where they just gather and I wasn't sure if I'd taken one or two in the mouth. I'd got one in my eye and it was really annoying. So I'd started piloting this just heads down, this heads down look, just running in a straight line, which in itself was dangerous, I think. And I continued with that. That was on the first lap I'd done that for the first time. Then I did it on the second lap. And then I just stuck with it. I'm not going to do it again, obviously, because I've seen how dangerous it is. So right at the end, I was coming up to where I normally end my route, and I did the heads down thing again, but this time I cut through a trail on that final stretch of that final expanse of grass where I normally end my run. And there's, you know, there's this tree there. It's the one tree just on the trail. And even when I'm looking up, sometimes I've had to duck down behind, uh, sorry, below the branches, beneath the branches even. Can you not speak today, man? And this time, because I had my head down, I went straight into a branch and... That's why it happened. And by yesterday, I was feeling the impact of the knock on the skull. I was running at around 5 or 6K an hour on Friday. So there was a fair bit of momentum 
right now my my toes are, are curling as I consider the possibility that the impact that felled me might have caused me to land in dogmark lurking in that grass. But on Friday night, I felt okay. Maybe that was the adrenaline stroke relief of completing the run, regardless of whether there was an accident on the route or not. You know, it's always a relief just to get the run out of the way and then I can relax. And then, you know, the blue sky thinking kicks in as my body starts to feel the benefit of that run. And I had spoken to one or two people. And also because, you know, because I'm a hypochondriac or I have been a hypochondriac, I didn't just want to turn up at hospital, regardless of it being a pandemic. I didn't want to be waiting for hours. And I thought, well, maybe I don't need to go anyway. It's it's a cut. It doesn't seem deep enough to require stitches. But I wasn't really considering the impact of the actual knock, the bang on the head. And a couple of people were telling me, look, you should get yourself checked out. It's a head injury. And I just, I left it. Sunday morning, I wasn't feeling too great. I finally relented, called uh, the NHS 111 line spoke to someone, they said someone would call me back. And right away, I was thinking, I can't relax here, no catnaps today. Got to wait for this call, can't miss the call. Got a call about an hour later, I think, which, you know, which wasn't bad going. And um, the guy said to me, no, you'll have to go in because the the bang actually failed you. And because of that, I think you need to go in, booked me in for A&E, at King's College in Camberwell, one of the roughest hospitals out there, hospital that I remember well from my childhood. So I had to go there yesterday afternoon. It meant missing the football. I'd missed most of the football at the weekend, and that was a that was a pain. Went to A and E. It was packed. I tried. Well, I was trying to tape the football yesterday. It didn't work. There, there, there's an issue with the broadband box here, or the BT box, whatever it is. It's not the first time it's happened, so I had to uh, sit through match of the day two last night just to watch the um, Spurs City game. But I'd got into um, A&E, not many masks in there among the patients, predictably packed. I had an appointment, but uh, no one had actually told the hospital. So again, there you go, NHS communication issues between different departments. That is my problem with the NHS There was a a prisoner in there with a couple of prison officers or police officers, hard to tell what they were, but one of the officers was streaming the uh, Spurs City game on his phone and the prisoner was watching and there was a running commentary going on and I was trying to focus on the book I had with me because I just thought, this is sod's law. I'm missing the football, but here I am in a waiting room. There is a, a prisoner here watching the game that I can't watch and striking up a rapport with the two officers that are with him and they're talking about the game and at the time of course I thought well you know the plan was come back to the flat watch the game that I'd recorded little knowing that it wouldn't have recorded so at the time I wasn't happy thankfully I got seen very quickly they ran a few tests they told me no football for two weeks in case I get another knock and that compounds the problem but I can go running Uh, I was going to go running after recording this this afternoon, but I think I'm going to push the running back to the evening and I'm just going to do um, a couple of laps today. Nothing uh, strenuous, six or seven K, that's it. And I'm just trying to do one 10 K a week at the moment and no football for two weeks, which from a social point of view is a bit of a killer because that's been the highlight of my week the last month and a half. It's been good to get back to that really important and you know summer's going now so unless there's going to be some indoor football during the winter which I know the guys are trying to set up you know it could be that this is um, you know been a somewhat unexpected Indian summer in terms of uh, football for me I never thought I'd play again I've played I've enjoyed it 
and now I can't go for a couple of weeks. By the time I return, the summer's almost over. As I walked to the hospital yesterday, I had to walk through the park again, and I looked at the tree yesterday. I identified the tree, and I just stood there looking at the tree, studying the branches, sizing them up, and uh, I thought, yeah, I'm, I have been lucky. As I'm, you know, as I'm talking to you now, I can feel the impact. You know, my my left eye just feels a bit achy. The the left side of my head feels achy. Um, going to get out later, see my aunt and uncle, and then try and find a cafe and get out for this run later. But I'm I'm not feeling 100. percent But I want to keep busy. I don't want to be stuck indoors all day very slow this morning already dropped a, a coffee took ages to soak up the spillage had to pull out the freezer had to pull out the fridge to completely soak up the the spillage it's amazing because i you know the coffee glass isn't massive but the coffee just went everywhere and i also need to get some ice on the head at some point today if i can manage to uh, prize open the freezer which is uh, no easy task the fairground's gone so um I've got my favourite route back. As as I say, I was slow on Friday. I think a bit of an adjustment to get used to running the full perimeter of the park again when I hadn't been able to do it for a couple of weeks, and maybe that slowed me down. But you know, it's always a bit easier to to be able to run the full the full lap rather than have to uh, improvise because some event has uh, turned up. I don't know what it is about these parks in Lambeth. I guess it's the same all over London. You know, these are public parks, but they're always fenced off every few weeks for some event, and it's just really annoying. A quick hygiene fail of the week. Stockwell bound, walking up Dalyell Road, SW9, one of the big roads of my life in terms of how many times I've walked it. I've walked that road thousands and thousands of times, minutes away from where I grew up, and it was always the cut through for us when going to my aunt's in Brixton or to Frank Johnson's sports in Ferndale Road, on Ferndale Road rather, which is where they sold the Sabucho. It was the only place in South London that sold Sabucho at the time. Well, one of the few places. It was always sports shops that sold Sabucho until I think the early 80s onwards you started to see Sabucho appear in uh, toy shops. So I'm walking up Dalyell Road towards Stockwell. There's a zip van parked outside one of the houses. Someone was moving. An office chair was leaned up against a lamppost by the van. I saw that. That chair goes straight into the van with me it doesn't you don't stop at any at any point that does not go that does not touch the floor you know dogs and lampposts there is not a lamppost in london or anywhere i would imagine where there are dogs that hasn't been urinated on by a dog you know come on man don't put the you know don't put anything by a lamppost in terms of pandemic dreams vague vague there was one which i should have written down it's slipped away now but it involved gentrification it involved clapham and it involved some big fancy new building but i just can't remember much more about it but there have been two or three dreams i think in the last few days that have involved me moving so that's clearly that's something that's um playing on my mind right now Saw my aunt and uncle a couple of times last week. Actually saw them on Saturday as well. On Friday, they were reminiscent about the time they played Mr. and Mrs. in the Spanish club, the old Spanish club on South Lambeth Road that uh, I think eventually closed in the late 90s. 
as that community started to uh, drift away or move back to Spain. Now, apparently, my aunt and uncle had lost in the early rounds because because of my uncle, of course. Uh, inevitably, it was my uncle who was at fault, according to my aunt. The question had been something along the lines of, you see a dress that you like and you tell your husband, does he buy it for you? My uncle had said yes. My aunt had said no. 30 years on, the recollection of this led to another argument. It was their 56th wedding anniversary yesterday on Friday. They were arguing over how many years they'd been married and also again over how old their firstborn is. I just seriously, at the very least, I I just don't know how you can't know your first child's birthday. It's it's staggering. One of my football pals is Nigerian, one of 18 siblings from six different mums, the same dad. Now, I could understand if his dad had forgotten any of his children's birthdays, but my aunt and uncle only need to remember the birthdays for two kids. And we've now got a situation where neither of them are even sure of their own birthdays. Administratively, they are just... Shocking. Meantime, my uncle slept through their anniversary yesterday. Obviously, that didn't go well. When he woke up briefly, my aunt had inquired as to where her flowers were. And uh, there were no flowers. He had again forgotten their anniversary, went on the defensive right away. Why is it me who has to get you the flowers? How about me? Where are my flowers? He wondered. What's the point of me getting your flowers? My aunt had retorted. You wouldn't even know you had them. Episode 343 of Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available sweating the small stuff every Monday. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. Find all the work at danielruiztyson.com. There is, of course, the Patreon page that keeps this show alive, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. You can sign up there if you want to support this long-running indie show. There's also a new tier on there since this morning that might be of interest to you or might be of interest to existing patrons who might want to upgrade. It's called the All-in-One and basically this will give you early access to all my audio work including the new series of when shorts were short each new episode of when shorts were short will be uh, coming out for patrons two weeks early and there are over 30 episodes lined up for this new series patrons will get bonus content they'll also get episodes that will be exclusive to patreon supporters that's a new tier the all-in-one at patreon.com forward slash drt available books wise reading kate summerscale i i've uh, i've read quite a few of her books this one came out i think around 2011 2012 i've been very late to get round to it but it's a very interesting book, non-fiction, Mrs. Robinson's Disgrace, The Private Diary of a Victorian Lady. I'll give you the blurb on a mild winter's evening in 1850. Isabella Robinson set out for a party. Her carriage bumped across the wide cobbled streets of Edinburgh's Georgia Newtown and drew up at Eight Royal Circus, a grand sandstone terrace lit by gas lamps. The guests were gathered in the high, airy drawing rooms on the first floor. The ladies in glint and silk and satin pulled tight over bond Boned, Bond. Uh, 
boned corsets, the gentlemen in tailcoats, waistcoats and neckties. When Mrs. Robinson joined the throng, she was at once enchanted by Mr. Edward Lane, a handsome medical student ten years her junior. He was fascinating, she told her diary before chastising herself for being so susceptible to a man's charms, but a wish had taken hold of her, which she was to find hard to shake. I'm enjoying it. I'm getting towards the end. and I've got... Uh, Went to three libraries on Saturdays. I've got even more books. I also actually, here's the thing. I wasn't sure I was going to tell you this. It had to be a a certain kind of book for me to do this. In my aunt's block, you know, on on the ground floor by the concierge's office, people, residents often leave stuff that they no longer want. They just leave it downstairs for other residents to take. I saw a book there, Sherlock Holmes's Last Story. Now, I think I might have read this, but I can't be sure. The author is Ted something, might be Ted Didbin, something like that. And I saw it. I didn't pick it up right away, but I went upstairs and I mentioned to my aunt and uncle I'd seen this book and I was wondering whether I should take it. I didn't particularly, you know, I I have a problem with used books, but, you know, I buy a lot of used books. And of course, I also go to libraries a lot. Having said that, I always wear gloves to handle these books. So I thought, what's going to be different here? You know, why, what are my reasons? How can I justify walking past that book again and not taking it? My aunt gave me a little plastic bag, sandwich bag, and uh, I bagged the book up on my way out, gave it a good clean when I got in. I think I might have read it. It's not an easy book to find online now. I think it's a former library book as well because I checked the inside cover and I'm trying to remember now, but I think I saw a few library stamps in it. So the book is here anyways, being quarantined, left by a little window at the back of the flat, air the books there that come in. And uh, looking forward to reading it. Hopefully I haven't read it before. And if I have, maybe um, I don't remember it too well and uh, it will be good to read it again. In other news, it was the kid's birthday last week. I texted him. He emailed back. He refuses to text. I refuse to message something of an impasse. Let me give you this week's Nectar Points now. This is uh, Friday the 13th. My expenditure for Friday the 13th bought a tin of mixed beans chili that my sister had introduced me to when she was briefly here at Christmas some semi-skimmed long life milk, there was finally some long life milk in Sainsbury's the Nine Elms Monster, I tried out a new yoghurt for 45p wasn't very nice so I won't be having it again the addiction to halls, sugar free lozenges continues, two packets of those for 60p, I've actually seen them a lot cheaper trying to remember where now, I can't remember where this was at the weekend. Super drugs, I think they're 54p. I saw them somewhere else, but they might be even cheap at 50p, and I can't remember now. Bought uh, a single, no, bought four single oranges for £1.20. Bought some blueberries for £1.7. Don't buy them from Little anymore because they just uh, spoil so quickly. And um, I think because I was feeling a bit low already, this is pre headbang on friday i bought myself uh, an a5 hardback notebook that was going for one pound 12 bit of stationary therapy the um, expenditure came to six pounds 24 previous nectar balance was 216 and six points on my purchase that leaves me with 222 points worth one pound 11. My fine liner pens arrived, by the way, 0.4 millimeters. Great for editing. Tried them out. Really pleased with them. 
And I think I got three points for buying them, three nectar points, which I think I factored in last week. I've been bringing in a more expensive Cornish pasty into the flat from Lidl. Normally I was getting three for £1.40, but they just, they, they were strange. The texture was strange. I stopped buying them a couple of months ago. Been buying individual pies stroke pasties, paying a bit more for them. I don't think I'll be able to do that from September because I'm going to be losing uh, a bit of money uh, in the um, in the short term. This pasty, it's a nice pasty, but... The casing breaks up very easily. It's already broken up by the time it goes into the oven or the microwave. Now that I know you can do it in the microwave, I'm not using the oven for it partly because the oven is broken. Long life milk in Lidl in Stockwell always seems to be covered in flour. Presentation-wise, it looks just looks awful, and it really does sum up the store and the type of people working there. I, you know, just when I go in there. Just in and out, in and out. Not even worth talking to some of the people that work there. They just quite rude. Uh, let me bring you some Star Wars football results. Should have um, prepared these earlier. I think there's been a fair bit of action since I was last with you. Yes, there has been. So I think last week there was still one outstanding Champions League game. That was from Group 2. The Week 3 fixtures. Sisubo, the Champions League debutants who drew nil-nil at Hoth in what is a very difficult group. Uh, they again drew nil-nil to um, at home to Endor. Endor twice losers in the Champions League's uh, three-season history. They're top on four points. That group, Hoth, plays Susubo tonight at Susubo. Hoth really need to win one of their last two games to stand a chance of going through. Let me give you the week three Champions League tables. Group 1, Tatooine atop. All teams have played two games at this stage. So Tatooine atop, uh, six points. Goal difference of plus five. They won both games. Cantonica, um, they're on three points. Goal difference minus two. Naboo, a bottom. Goal difference minus three. They've lost both games. That's the kind of game that the Star Wars UEFA people were hoping, uh, the kind of group, rather, that the, the Star Wars UEFA people were hoping would no longer occur this uh, season uh, just looks a bit too easy but group two and a couple of the other groups looking very strong group two and or a top four points from two games plus one goal difference susubu are second two points drawn both games zero goal difference hoth a bottom minus one and uh, one point from two games remember they uh, lost to Endor in the last 30 seconds a couple of weeks ago, uh, away from home. Group three, Empire atop four points from two games. Goal difference of plus one. Empire, who won the first ever Champions League. Zepho a second. Two draws from two games. They're on 2.0 goal difference. Cloud City have one point minus one goal difference from uh, two games. Group Four, Mandalera top six points from two games, plus six goal difference. X-Wing a second, three points, plus one goal difference. Agamara bottom, a minus seven goal difference, zero points. So again, they're another group that will cause, uh, let me just get closer to the mic, will cause UA for some sleepless nights. League week six fixtures, Besbin, Hoth won all, a late goal from Besbin. Endor Leia came on as a sub, took a, a long shot, Bounce just before it, uh, Hoth Trooper got a touch to it, but the momentum sent it flying past him into the goal. He was, uh, he put in a brilliant performance though, 
um, on, whenever this was, the 12th. When was that? That was Thursday, of course. How can I forget? Of course, Friday the 13th. And uh, this is the game where Hoth effectively lost a title last season, owing to a, a mistake by Hoth Trooper. But he was immense in this game on Friday night. Uh, Death Star at home to X-Wing, goalless. Death Star really struggling for goals, just two goals from uh, six games. And I think this is the whole eight side business. It's made the games tighter. You know, tactically, the game has really evolved. A lot of teams are playing three at the back, so it's very difficult. Goals are at a premium this season. On Saturday night, a brilliant win for Rebels, a repeat of last season's uh, result at Rebels between the two sides. Rebels won, Alderaan nil, and Scout, just as he did last season, had scored a goal, and it was an early goal again on a couple of minutes. Scout uh, Trooper recalled to the team, Barada, Three goals from two sub-appearances made his first ever start in Star Wars football, put in a good performance. Alderaan, that's their second successive defeat and uh, a title challenge looking like it might not be within their reach this season. And yesterday, Empire had the chance to go nine points ahead of uh, defending defending league champions even, Tatooine. Empire have done the double over Tatooine for the last two seasons, seasons in which Tatooine have still gone on to win the uh, league empire though fell to their first defeat of the season 2-1 at home to the defending league champions Tatooine had gone into a 2-0 lead through an own goal from Obi-Wan and then a goal from Zuckus a minute before halftime that Riken perhaps might have done better with in the empire goal but uh, seven seconds before halftime R2-D2 uh, the former Tatooine striker a beautiful glancing header from uh, Anat Troopers cross his third goal of the season gave empire hope but they couldn't break Tatooine down in the second half Oh, here, here we go. Here's the table. I've, I've done the table on the wrong page. So the week six standings, uh, again, all very tight. Uh, all played six games. I'll give you their points and their goal difference. Bespin a first, 10 points, plus three goal difference. Empire a second, despite their defeat, nine points, plus one goal difference. Death Star a third, eight points, plus one. X-Wing have drawn all six games. They're on. Uh, they're in fourth place, six point zero goal difference. Aldron in fifth place, six point zero goal difference. But their goal scored is inferior to X Wings, their neighbours X Wings. So uh, X Wing are fourth. Aldron fifth. Tatooine move up to sixth place again, minus one goal difference. They're on six points now. Interestingly, if Tatooine had lost, they'd have stayed bottom. And no team that's ever been bottom has won the league in Star Wars football history. Rebels have climbed up one place to seventh place. They're on six points, minus two goal difference. Half the bottom, five draws, one defeat, yet to win a game. They've got five points, minus two goal difference. And clearly there is a hangover lingering from last season and the uh, near title miss with Hoth. Let's move on to the cafe now. Let's finish the episode with the cafe. Lots to report from the cafe. Bright news from the cafe on on a personal note is that Seb K finally said my name twice on consecutive days as he led on our greetings. That's all I wanted. You know, it was just important to me that someone knew my name. I'm hoping the cafe's 10-day closure means he doesn't forget it and we have to start all over again. I think it might have been Wednesday or Thursday last week. We had a three-way conversation. Al Fresco, myself, Seb Kay, and the guy I chat to a lot in there, the native South Londoner. And uh, we were talking about the way the area had changed. We were talking about the old cinema in Stockwell. 
which I remember as a kid, although I never went in there and then it became a pool hall. And it's always been a place. It's next to the Ladbrokes on Stockwell, um, on, on Clapham Road. It's always been a place that historically struggled to be a success. I'm not sure why that was, but when it became a snooker stroke pool hall, it got a really rough reputation. It's now, a, I think, a Somalian bar. And to be fair, they've done a really good job with it because no other business has uh, worked there. They were also talking about all the little shops that have disappeared in the area. I mean, Stockwell, as I've said, I think on here recently, the laundrette's gone. There's now a bathroom showroom on Clapham Road where the laundrette was. If there is an area that needs a laundrette, it's Stockwell. And a bathroom showroom, no one's going to be buying themselves a bathroom showroom in Stockwell. It's You wonder how much these people who set up these businesses in the area know about the area they're coming to. And that, that showroom will not be there um, in a year. Certainly won't be there in two years' time. But I'm usually confident with my predictions when it comes to uh, predicting the downfall of businesses. And I've been right with a couple of businesses that I've mentioned on this show over the years that appeared on South Lambeth Road well before gentrification was ad, uh, as advanced as it is now. And they've gone. They've gone. You know, you, you, you've got to know the area. You've got to know the kind of people that are there. And the area still doesn't have enough people who are going to be going into these places. So anyway, we were having this alfresco three-way discussion. There was a girl having a pint of lager over to my right. I was sat at my favorite alfresco table at the back of uh, at the back of the... Um, the clearing they have set up for the outdoor drinkers. As Sebke told me what my cafe alternatives were during this uh, closure, I remarked that I was wary of staying local as these cafes would know I was only a cafe refugee and that I, I you know, would be gone by the time the cafe reopened. I saw the girl smiling as she heard this. I thought, okay, I'm going to need to vary my small talk while she's here if she's listening into conversations, which to be fair, we all do if we're on our own and, you know, people are chatting you elsewhere at other tables. You catch snatches of their conversation. And I didn't want to be replicating small talk with other members of staff. And I, I stuck to that. Hopefully she would have internally acknowledged that, you know, perhaps thought, I think this guy, I think he might be a raconteur. Indoors in the cafe, there ha I've seen it happen now a couple of times. A big space forms in the middle of the cafe as bigger groups come in which has been unusual to see until now. And so, you know, extra tables are being commandeered and pushed together and it leaves a massive gap in the middle of the cafe. The kind of gap you might have seen at a house party as a kid when, you know, tables were clear to make uh, way for some dancing. The last three days in the cafe, I, I was in there first thing Saturday morning, which was an absolute pleasure despite being what I recognize now as concussed. I really just savored there being there first thing in the morning First time in a long time. No veteran waitress in sight, sadly, wondering if it was a day off for her or whether she's been retired by the pandemic. On my way there, I'd had to get rid of her new disposable mask because incredibly I'd worn it back to front. After 18 months of this nightmare, that was a real schoolboy error on my part. And as I was walking uh, towards South Lambeth Road in a northerly direction. I was walking past a bus stop that back in 2017 TFL had mistakenly named South Lambert Road and had eventually changed after repeated contact from me. And I saw a woman, a young pensioner, cleaning front and back, uh, the front and back of her face mask with hand gel. And uh, I saw that. I thought, lady, I'm not sure that's how it's meant to work. 
Meantime, Mr. and Mrs. Fisher were in the cafe on Saturday morning, the first time I've seen them since the summer of 2018 when I was at last with a man. No exchange. There was no exchange between us, which was disappointing. They're early birds. They're always there first thing in the morning. I'd made the breakthrough with them back in 2018. That was the greeting breakthrough year. I'd, I'd, I'd led on that because I was just embarrassed at going in and looking unfriendly. So I made a big point and it was a big thing. But now after three and a half years, that exchange has been lost. So things have just gone back to how they were for my first 17 years in the cafe, which is disappointing. I do feel that maybe they could have led on it. You know, maybe they might have recognized me. Maybe they might have remembered, hey, this guy did this. He led on the greeting back in 2018. Let's, me and you, you know, let's let's get it off the ground again. We'll do this one. Mr. Fisher was in double denim on Saturday morning. One of the few guys I, I've seen who can pull that off. I looked at their magnificent chin clefts and briefly wondered if they might get COVID trapped in there, if that was even possible phil collins the little waitress made me a good opening latte milky but with enough of a kick to to innovate me old twitter were there again on saturday morning again without their papers and without breaking the newspaper headlines to each other they they just don't seem to have anything to say to each other they just sit there very quietly i thought i'd bow out in style this side of the summer and ordered myself some portuguese toast broad slices required expansive mouth opening of course you know the pandemic has meant that i've i think this was only the second time i'd ordered toast there so you know at home my slices of toast aren't as broad so i was out of practice i could feel my jaw clicking as i was opening my mouth wider than it's used to i tweeted about the wide slices on saturday morning it drew a very good tweet from uh, mi's lip good mouth warm up for small talk though that's uh, a very good point made there i have hit a run of sitting at the small table over by the radiator one of just two radiators in the cafe which is why it's such a cold place in the winter that and because of the uh, foldable doors that were introduced i think around the mid-noughties during one of the early refurbishments and uh, not mick fleetwood has been claiming laying claim to that small table by the radiator lately and you know i'm fine with that i don't particularly like that table he's seen me there a few times now and not looked too happy and i you know i've sat there one because he's not been there and two because the other tables have been taken i think this radiator table may mean to him what the old toilet table meant to me He's not a guy that looks massively enthusiastic about showers, so I'm not thrilled about sitting there. There's a a wall right behind the seat, so it's a bit of a blind spot. It means you don't have to worry too much about what the back of your hair might be looking like. So it's not, you know, it's 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 a decent place to sit, but it's not my favourite place. Not Mick makes uh, multiple visits a day. I I rarely do that. I wish I could, but uh, Not Mick just constantly drops in and he leaves very generous tips. Thursday afternoon, the illustrated man was behind the bar and he made me a great latte. Him and Seb K are the galau-making masters, no tricolour gimmicks for them. They just deliver a very simple-looking and gorgeous, uh, gorgeous gorgeous-tasting coffee. In terms of my tall glass handling technique, where am I with that? Well... I could feel my little finger, the left one, coming off the tall glass at times on Thursday afternoon. I mean, I'm glad I've gone back to the left-handed, the sinister-handed tall glass handling. That works for me. I've got that. But the little finger, I just need to work a bit more about little finger on glass, tall glass placement out of practice. 
Fortunately with me sitting at the table I was at, the left arm was on the wall side, so it was slightly hidden from view, though at one point I saw a woman staring at the little finger coming off the glass, probably thinking that's an affectation. And I quickly turned the little finger into a claw to create the illusion that it was on the tall glass. Disappointing that on Thursday afternoon which had been very productive. I dragged a conversation on too long with the waitress. My fault. She was talking about her good English and uh, the conversation had reached a natural finishing point, I think. And there was an opportunity to to finish it. Indeed, you know, I, I kind of felt maybe she deliberately steered us towards a natural break in that exchange. And, you know, it effectively worked as the conversations end, but I just didn't see it. I shouldn't be hard on myself, though. The raconteur is so new to me. I could see her, her mind working as to how to get out of this conversation because she'd given me that opportunity. opportunity. She'd taken the conversation to its natural end stroke break. I'd instead thought maybe it was just a break and continue talking about something else it uh, didn't really go down too well i'm yet to establish if the late in life raconteur and is down to the pandemic era isolating all the meds I, I i think it's i think it's both i think it's both in other news uh, just like most days i forgot something on my way to the cafe last thursday and, and on thursday it was my shopping list and so briefly during a break from the writing and the sp- raconteur and I was trying to recall what was on the list I was visualizing it cupboard by cupboard and fridge sections and when I got home actually I'd only forgotten one thing so for me that's pretty good going it really is I know that cereal was on the list I didn't forget the cereal I mean cereal is always on the list I think I'll turn up in the afterlife with a suitcase full of cereal spent with uh, the money I refuse to put towards my own funeral it'll always be cereal in my life the waitress went on to serve not mick she hallowed him in her american english uh, hello not mick i'm not sure i don't think that was american english there was nothing back from him he was straight in with his order i'll have a decaf americano there was there was no please there never is when the decaf americano was delivered again nothing back from not mick he didn't even deign to look at her he just emitted a sound yeah I thought surely my too long raconteurin is preferable to that. In terms of other staff news, the mullet was telling me he's going home to Portugal, so I think he was flying out uh, today. His family are in uh, the centre of Portugal. He's going for the nine days in case travel is restricted again come Christmas. Friday afternoon, Friday lunchtime, a French woman turned up in the cafe. I heard her speaking towards the end and I took the accent for French. She kept her mask on. This was uh, indoors. She kept her mask on until her orders arrived. She looked very timid. Uh, She had a coffee. She had some spare ribs. Now, unless it's with breakfast, I've never been able to have hot drinks with a meal. I've always found that a bit weird you know sometimes uh, you're in a cafe one of those builders cafes and you see guys you know having some junk food uh, you know a dinner at lunchtime and they're, they're washing it down with a mug of tea I've always found that for me it doesn't really work for my taste buds Seb K was running the um, running the French girl through her dessert options and it threw me at one point because of the way she nodded at him just that physical movement it reminded me 
of my ex just for a, a moment. And it's weird how the mind works, isn't it? It was an uncomfortable moment for me. She had not Mick to her left. Their tables had been separated to accommodate her arrival. I think not Mick might, during this 10-day closure, be stewing over me being at his table so often. He might think we're competing for the same table, which is certainly not the case. I'm looking at the way everything's working in the cafe at the moment, the table options, how it works alfresco, and I struggle to see how it might work in winter, not just specific to this cafe, just in general, because, you know, you might sit outside in your big coat, your coffee's still going to get cold. I'm an impoverished writer. Is there any other type of writer? I can't go beyond two lattes a day. How do I keep the coffee warm? So we come to its 12.41 hours now. No backup cafe earmarked. As I said, I think at the top of the show, I've got one or two in mind to try today. One on South Lambeth Road towards the Vauxhall end. It's um, a case of, though, do I go indoors? Because I'm not going to know how well ventilated those cafes might be. I won't know the clientele, though maybe I'll see some cafe refugees Outdoors, certainly in Lambeth, you're going to get killed by the smokers. I see a Portuguese person. I just assume they're smokers. There are also tourists now from a from a hotel that sprung up around the corner on the side of another old uh, cafe I used to go to. And uh, likely to be lots of Mediterraneans going to that hotel. And, you know, those guys, they just love a cigarette. So I think my options are going to be restricted Interestingly, uh, my muscle memory in the cafe, I still keep looking at the far wall where there was a clock for 18 years and it's not there. And I'd gotten used to it not being there before the pandemic. But now that I've got this big gap of 13 months in terms of going to the cafe, it's my mind has it's almost missed the last year pre-pandemic and it's gone back to 20, whatever, 2018. And I'm keep I keep looking at that wall thinking, where's the clock? There was a a Latin American regular in on Saturday morning, a Peruvian guy, I think, greeted me in Portuguese. I said good morning back in English. He arrived around 08.30 hours, ordered a a full English breakfast plus chips and a bottle of Sagres beer. An hour later, he was on his uh, fourth bottle of Sagres. Hardcore, this guy. Meantime, not Mick. He came in around an hour later. Again, saw me at his table. Didn't look happy. He ordered himself a padras. I think it is a padras mineral water. Also ordered eggs royale for breakfast. Asked for hollandaise sauce on the side. Mayonnaise? Asked Phil Collins. Hollandaise? Clarified not Mick. Mayonnaise on side? I could see not Mick getting frustrated. I'm not sure Phil Collins noted his brief jaw clench. I don't think it would have made too much... Uh, Difference to a hollandaise sauce, said uh, not Mick again. I I think he sensed he wasn't going to get the sauce uh, that he wanted. Meantime, another chin fisher appeared that morning, Saturday morning, an hour or so after the fishers had gone. A younger woman, English speaking with her young daughter, both had clefts, deeper grooves perhaps than the fisher's own clefts, like a chin valley, if you like. The woman ordered an espresso for herself. She was taking huge gulps from this tiny cup and I was thinking, how much coffee is in there? It looked, you know, like a film scene where the actor might be drinking from an empty mug and their swallowing just doesn't look convincing. As for me, I was disappointed to be in the cafe with my four-inch cut and no one prompted me to tell them what had happened. 
I like a spectacular injury. Long-time listeners may know that, you know, the Brian Robson dislocated shoulder thing. I, I would have loved an injury like that. Not the pain, but the injury visually. I think it's a, it's a cool moment. But I just wasn't given an opportunity to talk about it. And that is it. That is the end of today's rambling show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. Keep washing those hands. Keep ventilating too. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson. And this start of the week, I have been available. 